Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. You know, probably one of the greatest ironies of my life is that when I met Matt, who, if you're new here, I am married to him. When I first met him and we went on our first date, as most of you probably know by now, we were friends first because when we went on our first date, sparks did not fly. But I remember when we were on our first date, I was like, this dude talks about like microphones and audio gear and music like way too much. It's his job now. So it makes sense why he was so into it. But I remember thinking like, this is so boring. Like talking about microphones is so boring. Then Joke's on me because I found my dream job and guess what it is? It's talking into microphones and figuring out how to plug in microphones and buying new microphones. And now it's all I talk about. I don't know who qualified me for this job. I have to set up an interface every time I record. I Do I know how to do that? No. I usually just turn a few knobs until it sounds right. But anyway, not important. Just really wanted to let you know that that's how my life turned out. So I am now a microphone gal. Oh, welcome back, though, to the bad broadcast and happy Monday. I'm your host, Maddie, and I am, as always, so excited to be talking to you guys. I feel like I have a lot to tell you. I know we talk every week and we like talk on Instagram, but sometimes I just like I like take notes in my phone about what I want, what I want to tell you guys. And I just I get really excited. So let's start off with our love-hate segment. So this first love is somewhere we are headed this week on a trip, and it is Atlanta, Georgia. Maybe a little bit anticlimactic. You know, I've never known if it's climactic or climatic. Whatever. I'll Google it. You don't need to tell me. Uh, (laughs) So I understand that it's probably a little bit anti-whatever when I say we're going on a trip, and then the big announcement is that it's to Atlanta, Georgia. But guys, it's cool. It's one of my favorite cities in the U.S. I feel like maybe my favorite city is New York. And then number two might be Atlanta, actually. I really love it. I was born there, as were all of my siblings. So we go back as a family once a year or so. And I think it's incredibly underrated. Did you guys know? Okay, this is, I had to Google this. This was not at the top of my brain. But in 2016, it overtook California for the most movies filmed in a state. Does that make sense? You guys get what I'm saying. It's really cool. And there's like a really amazing food scene, lots of events, comedy, music venues. 
The only problem is that it's about 300% humidity, which truth be told, like my genome has not evolved to handle that heat nor that humidity. Like I feel like that's eight or 900 years away for my posterity. I'm just not meant to be. I'm not meant to be that moist all the time, quite honestly. Another thing that I love, the word moist. Are we are we over this yet? When I'm in a group and somebody says moist and I hear somebody be like, I hate that word. Like, get a grip, okay? It was a meme from 2004. Let's pick a new word to hate. Let's pick a new one. I, you know what? I'm going to present the following words to you that we should start hating more than moist, okay? Corpse, terrible. How about the word Colonel, spelled C-O-L-O-N-E-L. Felony. Rural. Terrible. Hubby slash wifey. Okay. I mean, I think that I would rather somebody whisper moist in my ear once an hour than ever hear anyone say hubby or wifey ever again. Also the word phlegm. We're not freaking out enough over the word phlegm for what it is, what it sounds like, and how it's spelled. P-H-L-E-G-M. I feel like we could lose like four of those letters and then we need an additional three to make it what it should look like. Whatever. I just want to call my cake moist and not have somebody three yards away go, oh my gosh, I can't stand that word. Like, yes, yes, you can. You you are going to be just fine. I promise you. All right. The second thing that I loved this week. So one of my dear friends named Lucy owns a thrift store. She started a thrift store. Her and her husband own it. And she's just like a big time thrifter. And let me tell you, everything she owns is gorgeous. Every piece of home decor, every item of clothing, everything. It's amazing. So I was like, okay, I've got to give this, I got to give this thrifting of the old college try, as they say. So I spent one whole day and I went around to like four thrift stores. It was so fun. And it was like this weird, relaxing treasure hunt. Like I just, I was so excited to find something new. And not only is it good for the planet, we all know that. Let me tell you another great selling point. So we're all coming out of this like post-COVID, like sweatpants, t-shirt, no bra. Some of those I'm trying to evolve out of. The no bra is not one of them. But I would like to wear some like real human person clothes. But I like don't know what my style is. I like, don't know how to figure it out. So what I did is that I thrifted pieces that I was like, maybe, maybe we're a little risky. You know, I've, I've been trying to wear more button-ups lately. And so I thrifted one, $2. Yes, $2. Now I can test it out, see if I like it, and then I can go back and get more. It was just, it was very fun. Found really cool glasses from like the 40s, books, plates. It was just, it was very cool. Very into it. I know I've had a ton of people reach out to me about like thrifting and that they love it and trying to like get me to do it. And I just never gave it a chance. I don't know why, but I should have because it was very, very fun. So the next thing on my love list is a celebrity couple. I think a criminally underrated celebrity couple. David Harbour, who plays Hopper on Stranger Things, and he's also in Black Widow, and his wife, Lily Allen. Do you guys remember Lily Allen? She sang, sings, sings currently, so many bops. I really, I really like her. And they just seem very cool, very down to earth. They eloped in Vegas, got married by an Elvis impersonator, and then they took all their nieces and nephews and kids to In-N-Out. Oh, it's just the aesthetic that I dream of. I think they are so cool. I know that most of celebrity life is like curated or it's PR stunts, 
But I genuinely, so I feel like you can usually tell when couples actually like each other and they strike me as a couple that really likes each other. All right, on to the hates of the week. Okay, this first thing I hate, guys. I hate when you ask somebody a would you rather and they answer with neither. Really? Cheeto fingers or Oreo teeth? You'd pick neither? That's so interesting. How interesting that between getting hit by a train or hit by a bus, you'd pick neither. Just play the game. That's not the game, okay? You just have to pick one. No one's going to make you do it. No one's going to force you to have Cheeto fingers for your whole life. It's fine to answer it. While we're at it, let me tell you the best. I don't know if it's the best or the worst, would you rather, in the book. I'm sorry in advance to my parents who will hear this. All right. Would you rather (laughs) have sex with a horse and nobody knows or you didn't have sex with a horse, but everybody thinks you did? When I ask people that and they say neither, I'm like, oh, really? You don't want either? You don't want people to think you had sex with a horse and you don't actually want to have sex with a horse? That's so interesting. Personally, for me, I would like to know if the horse is the cartoon spirit because that might change things for me. That might make me that might make me lean the other direction, if you know what I mean. All right. The second thing I hated this week. Okay. I've been guilt. I'm recovering from this. So don't, don't take this as anything personal because I am calling myself out too. And I'm trying to be better about it. I hate taking too long to pick a nail color. What is it? It feels so committal when you go into the salon to get your nails or your toes done. But honey buns, we're all taking too long to pick our nail color. We are. Okay. It's not permanent. It doesn't go on some record where everybody makes fun of every nail color you've ever had, it's going to come off in like four days and you can pick a new one. On top of that, we've got Pinterest. Like we know, we know what colors we can choose from. We got to go in more decisive. You know what? I hate, okay. I hate being indecisive. I like to be able to choose when I'm indecisive about something. It bugs me probably more than it bugs the people around me. And I think that there is this unfair stigma, you know, it's like with a, oh, she can never decide where to, where to eat. My girlfriend's so indecisive. You know, so we're going to fight the man on this one, okay? We're going to fight the power and we're going to be so decisive, nobody's going to know what to do with us. So that's been my goal. I'm starting small, you know, by picking my nail color beforehand. Big life decisions, still stalling on those. But I think we could all do better at being a little more decisive. All right, the last thing on my list of hates this week is the game apples to apples. And honestly, while we're on this topic, we can probably throw in Cards Against Humanity. I just, I do not like games like that. Games where there's like one prompt and then everybody gets cards of like just shock factor answers. So they either say like butthole or blowjob on them. And then every time you put one down, it's like everybody giggles and then someone picks one and then you move on to the next one. Like it's so wildly unfunny and it's also not entertaining. And if somebody whips it out at a game night, I I would I would rather do a Sudoku. Sudoku. I think that's what the, those are called. I'd rather do just math. I'd rather just sit down and do a math math packet or whatever. I just do not like games. Every time I see a cards against humanity like meme, like when people post that, I'm like you didn't even think of that. Like you just found a card with something that you laughed at and now we're all sitting here listening to you laugh at a joke you think you came up with because you picked that card but really it has nothing to do with you. It's just what card you got. Anyway, you guys get what I'm saying and I hate it. All right, well, let's get into a few things that we want to talk about today. So 
I get asked, I, I try to make episodes about what I get asked about, like what people want me to talk about or just elaborate on. And this is kind of a broad topic, but I want to talk about feeling confident, confidence. And let me just start off by saying this. I'm not trying to like downplay or say like, don't listen to me. I'm just saying that whatever I say is just always what I'm working on. It's maybe not what I'm perfect at or what I do every day, but it's something I believe in and that I felt the benefits of. And even when I don't do it the way I think I should, it's still in the back of my mind and I'm really working on it. So let's talk about, let's talk about being confident. Well, I guess actually before we talk about confidence, I, I want to talk about insecurity for a second and feeling insecure. I think something important to remember, something that I like to keep in mind, is that our insecurities have been cultivated and nourished and grown by people who make a lot of money off of them. So think about what you might have some insecurities about. Is it your body? Because the diet industry makes $71 billion a year. Is it your skin or your face? Because the makeup industry makes $380 billion a year. Is it your hair? $20 billion a year. So make no mistake that when you start hating certain aspects of your appearance, someone somewhere celebrates. And let me tell you, that gets me real fired up. When I realized that, I just gave up certain insecurities because it just bugged me that people were benefiting from me feeling bad. And I want to just clarify here because it's always it's always best to clarify. I'm not talking about like if you work in this industry or if you enjoy doing your makeup or if you like doing your hair or like going to the gym. That's not what the problem is. The problem is with the intense social pressure to change your appearance almost against your will. Like not because it's something that you love to do or something you want to do. It's something that you have felt socially pressured into doing. And that's why you feel the need to lose weight or change your face or change your hair. That's that's what I'm talking about. I just, I want to say, I mean, I enjoy doing my makeup too. Okay. I just didn't want that to come across like you're not allowed to wear makeup. But yeah, so I it just it started really annoying me that I knew people were making money off of me feeling bad. And unfortunately, it's not it's not just like a light switch moment. I really I thought it I thought it might be. But uh yeah, it's not just an instantaneous thing where you can turn off everything you've ever felt bad about. Like if you've struggled with body image or body dysmorphia, it's not something you can just turn off because you know logically you shouldn't feel that way. Man, really wish it was. Really wish it was. But instead of that, I think that it's a slow and steady process to build back what we've spent a lot of years breaking down about ourselves. But how does one do that is the question. I think it's really interesting because insecurity is maybe one of the most universal experiences to date. I've never talked to one person, not one, no matter what their life path is, male, female, anything. I have never talked to one person who hasn't felt inadequate in some way, big or small. But I think it's safe to say that we've all felt insecure in a big way. And also since we were kids, because for me, like my earliest memories are like getting left out at recess. Is that everybody's first memory? Am I alone in that? (laughs) Hope not. But especially as women, which is, of course, the perspective that I have moved through life with, and it's the one that I have, growing up seemed to be like one insecurity on top of another for years. I can remember being 
probably like 11 or 12 and looking at myself in a mirror and thinking, this is not my body. Okay. This is a weird, squishy, lumpy alien. It bleeds. It's growing a unibrow. My hips hurt. And it was the first time that I critically thought about my body and it wasn't good and it didn't stop. And from there, I started telling my friends about my insecurities and then they would tell me theirs and I would add those onto my list. Like I didn't get acne till adulthood, till like my early 20s. And when I was a kid, my I would hear my friends like complain about, you know, they were starting to get zits and I didn't have any, but I heard them talk about it. So I just started hating my skin. I just started hating it. Oh my gosh, what I wouldn't give for 12-year-old Maddie's skin. But I think there's a few reasons why we do this. And I think if you dig into it, as women, there are two reasons why we do this. I think about the scene in Mean Girls where they walk into Regina's room and she's like, I have man shoulders. And they're like, my pores are huge. My nail beds suck. I think that there's two reasons why we do this. One is that we're hoping that somebody tells us that we're wrong and that the thing we hate is actually awesome. You know, we all have told somebody, oh, I hate my body. And I think in the back of my mind, it's like, please compliment me. Please tell me that my body is really amazing and that you're jealous of it. I think that's one side. And then I think the other reason why we do it is that I think we're just like desperately hoping that we aren't alone. Like we hope that they share something they hate about themselves. So at least we can be miserable with a friend. Like I just wanted to know I wasn't alone. I felt like everybody around me liked their body and their makeup and their hair. And I was the weird one. And I would have found a lot of comfort in something I realized only recently. And it's that we are so far from alone in those feelings. You know, like when you see a picture of yourself you hate and your body's changed or whatever, check. I felt that feeling staying up all night because you went to dinner with somebody and you're pretty sure they think you're stupid and annoying. Check. Felt that many times. Your legs, hair, stomach, house, nails, life aren't as pretty as somebody else's and it makes you feel bad. Check. Anything you felt about your body or your face or your personality, I would, honestly, I would guarantee that the people around you have had those same thoughts about theirs. So I think that we can talk all day and night about how to feel good in your skin, how to dress for your body, how to wear the right makeup. Truth be told, don't like those those advice points. I don't like when the solution is rooted in physical change. Like, oh, you hate your hair, here's how to style it. You hate your body, here's how to dress better. I don't know. I don't like that. It seems like it's actually just feeding in directly to the systems that have been sucking the joy and money out of women for like 2,000 years. So I like when the solution involves only brain work, mainly because I'm lazy. And if it involves me physically accomplishing something, you can bet your bottom dollar I will not be participating. So let me turn you on to some of my favorite brain moves. So something I've loved to do is to feed myself extremely vain and conceited compliments. Hear me out. Okay, hear me out. Let me tell you why. I feel like when I compliment myself, I believe about four to six percent of it. Okay, that's four to six, not 46. So if I give myself a lame compliment, like, yeah, I guess you're okay at this. It basically translates as you suck at everything and you should never try again. But if I overdo it and I say, you are the greatest to ever live. Nobody has ever done this better than you. It translates as, you know, you're, you're pretty good at this. You're doing okay. You're doing okay. So I like to really ramp it up 
also because nobody's ever going to hear what you're complimenting yourself. Unless you're mean, you start a podcast and you tell everybody what you say in your brain when you're looking in the mirror. But I love doing that. I saw an amazing video this week where I think it was a TikTok. It's always a TikTok where somebody says, you cannot hate yourself into a version of yourself that you love. So judging and shaming yourself is not going to push you in a direction that is free of shame and judgment. It's just not going to get you there. Confidence, according to Webster's, which I Googled, means the state of feeling certain. It's knowing that you can do cool things and accomplish things and also be extremely hot while doing it, all by changing nothing about how you look. Because I think if we want to see how to get confident, I think we should look at the method of how we became insecure. And for me, that was making comments to myself about how bad I look, how annoying I was, how uncool I am, how dumb everything I've ever done is. And it seems like a reasonable explanation that the antidote to that would be to use that method with the opposite words and talk about how good we look, how smart we are, how unique and driven we are. That's how you fix it. You don't fix it by saying the same stuff you've been saying for so long. It's pretty wonderful, actually, that we can change our confidence levels by doing pretty much nothing. You don't have to change the way you dress, your job, your interests, anything. Low effort changes are my favorite. All right, maybe it's not low effort, but it's low physical exertion. So another hurdle with confidence is something that started setting in as I got older And I started feeling like I needed permission. I felt like I needed somebody to tell me it was okay to be confident and loud and take up space. Call me a bra-burning feminist, if you will. I actually think I, I probably would be. But unfortunately, women who take up space can usually be written off as an inconvenience or bitchy or hard to deal with. So when somebody makes you feel that way, you look at them and you say to their face, or maybe just in your head, Maddie gave me permission to be confident. And I don't care if me taking up space bothers you. The space is something I deserve. And I don't care if it's in the way. Okay. I don't care if that means turning down a date or asking for a raise or sticking up for yourself. There's nothing you can do that would convince me you're not capable and deserving of that. So stop telling yourself that you don't qualify for feeling good. Okay. You qualify for that just by living, just by being alive and by listening to my podcast. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about is what our role is with other people's confidence, because I like to look at things from this perspective. I like to do this with mental health also. Like, what are you doing for somebody else's mental health? Like, I think that that's something that we can all do better at is like looking at it from what we can do for other people. So I think we have hammered home what we can do for ourselves, but we forget how much we influence the people around us. And I think especially as women, we have the ability to make people feel confident. I think how we respond to our friends feeling insecure is everything. So when somebody comes to you with something they're insecure insecure about, in my opinion, the advice offered shouldn't be, okay, well, how can I help you change that? I think that our role as friends is to say, absolutely not. We aren't letting those thoughts in. Here's one, two, three, four, five reasons why I think you're wonderful and why you deserve to believe that about yourself. I think it's time we start giving each other permission. We start helping each other out because girl rivalries are tired. They're done. They're over. They are not chic. Okay. I think that we can do better with that. So if you're wondering if it's possible for you to be confident, it is, of course. Do you deserve it? Uh, 
Yeah, duh. Do you need permission? Fine, I'll give it to you. It's all within reach. It's just unwiring, rewiring. I don't know. I don't work with a lot of wires. Rewiring what we've been telling ourselves for forever. So let's talk about our Dum Dum Club check-in. Little refresher. I know you guys who have been here for a while are probably so sick of hearing what the Dum Dum Club is, but I just, you have to do it because we get newcomers. So the Dum Dum Club is a club that we all created. And the way you become a member of the club is that you submit something that you did not learn until adulthood, something obvious, something that you should have learned that like your parents either lied to you about. So you carried that with you or you just misunderstood something. So it'll make more sense when I get into these answers. And they're they're so, so, so good. I mean, I don't know if they're good or if they're bad. I just, I hate to break it to everybody, but I do, I do think that we are getting dumber as the, as the days go on. <laughs> because more and more Dumb Dumb Club submissions that I read, I'm like, oh my gosh, that I also did that. Okay, so first up, she says, I attended a wedding when I was nine where the woman who caught the bouquet had the bride's garter put on her leg by the man who caught the groom's garter. Weird to witness that bizarre tradition happened once with the bride and groom. Weirder to watch it happen with two people I didn't know. A few years later, I caught the bouquet at a wedding. I was terrified for the rest of the night that the guy who caught the garter would put the garter around my 11-year-old thigh. Next wedding, again, caught the bouquet. You'd think I'd have hand-eye coordination, but you'd be wrong, and spent the rest of the night avoiding the catcher of the garter. It happened four weddings in a row before I came up with the conclusion that it was not a tradition, but rather that the original catchers were probably just engaged and in need of some special attention. (laughs) For some reason, this doesn't even feel unrealistic for something that would happen at a wedding. There's so many uncomfortable moments at weddings for guests too. Like, have you ever been to a wedding with a receiving line and like you kind of know the bride, she's like a work friend, but you wanted to go to the reception and then you're walking through the line and you have to like intimately hug your work friend's new husband's stepdad. It's weird. So I get it. There's a lot of weird, weird things happening in weddings. And I feel like we maybe should have like aged out of them. Like, I think the garter is like very weird that we still do that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you guys are into it. All right, next. I was today years old, 35, when it dawned on me that the line from Miss Congeniality about the perfect date was in fact asking about a type of date rather than a calendar date. I was right along with Miss Rhode Island the whole time. I included this one because me too. Well, maybe not. Mine actually might be worse than thinking this. I thought that she was answering it correctly. Like I thought she was saying the calendar date of her perfect romantic date. Like I thought she was answering it appropriately and she was just being laughed at because she like said it weird. I don't know. I, I just, we justify these things. Somebody said that last week their husband found out that Ellen DeGeneres is gay. Last week he found out Ellen is gay. <laughs> I used to think that the goldfish catchphrase catchphrase saying smack that child's back <laughs> instead of the snack that smiles back. I feel like we've had a goldfish one before too. All right, I only figured this out a couple of years ago. You know those signs for bike crossing that say bike xing? Well, for the longest time, I thought that xing was the Chinese word for bike. 
and it was giving her like a, like a translation, like bike. And I think that would be Jing in Chinese. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm just, that's what I think. That's amazing. Okay. Next one. This one is for my husband. My brother made some stuffed mushrooms and my husband ate the cream cheese stuffing and threw away the rest. We asked him why he didn't try the whole thing. He just laughed and said he wasn't falling for that. We looked at each other confused. I told him you're supposed to eat the entire mushroom. He said, no, there's no way that people actually eat a whole mushroom and that's not real. It took a lot to convince him that you were supposed to. All right, listen, do I blame him? Not really. Mushrooms, mushrooms are nefarious. Okay. They're unpredictable. If you eat a mushroom, you might feel fine or you might start having a conversation with your cat. You might throw up. Who had to test those? Who was the first person to test out a magic mushroom? Not to get too morbid, but since we're on the topic, have you guys ever like on YouTube or like in a documentary, like watched the process of making cocaine? Like who thought of that? Who developed that recipe? I have made chocolate chip cookies in my life probably 3,000 times, and I still couldn't tell you a recipe. You're telling me somebody stumbled upon the recipe for cocaine one day? No. All right, next. I thought until I was like 17 that when you became a mom, you had to have short 90s news anchor hair. (laughs) Like it was a thing they told you in the hospital. So the baby wouldn't pull your hair or get your hair stuck around their fingers or toes. I knew moms that had long hair, but because my mom and grandma both had short hair, it must be true. I'm now a mom and I do not have 90s news anchor hair hair. First of all, this is this is actually kind of like, why is it kind of spooky? It sounds like something that would happen in The Handmaid's Tale. Like they make you chop off all your hair when you give birth. It just, it sounds like something Tom Cruise would be into. Yeah, I, okay, so I, I can't remember if I've told you guys this before, but it just reminded me when she said that because her mom did it, it must be right. My parents have the same birthday and my dad is exactly one year older than my mom. And so I always thought that parents had to be exactly one year apart. Like you had to be one age older than your spouse. The boy had to be older. Didn't unlearn that one till I was probably like 14. Okay, this is maybe one of my favorite ones I've ever come across. She said, I recently learned that it is called a rotisserie chicken and not a roast history chicken. As in the chicken has a history of being roasted because, you know, it's pre-cooked when you buy it. I love that one so much. I love that one almost as much as I as I love this one. Okay. I need you guys to really, really dial in with this. All right. She said, here is my ultimate dum-dum submission. I listened to about 80% of your all of your podcasts in a short period of time without knowing anything about you. Just realized that you are not Rudy from the Bachelor's Listen to Your Heart. Okay, do you guys remember this weird part of quarantine where Bachelor came out with Listen to Your Heart? Do you guys remember Rudy on that? She dated a guy named Matt? She thought I was that person. (laughs) So she said, hear me out. Somebody on the show was from Utah. Maddie sounded like Rudy and Matt combined, sort of. Both Matts are musically talented. Hello, Google them. I'm not far off. I just enjoyed it all so much that I ignored the fact that you are not a singer and you've never mentioned Chris Harrison. I just happily let myself think that. (laughs) Honestly, I just want you guys to know if I ever have the chance to meet Chris Harrison, I will never, ever, ever shut up about it. I've been talking a lot about Bachelor rebranding and I feel like I could help them. 
I feel like I could host The Bachelor is what I'm trying to say. Obviously, I'm giving off Bachelor vibes. She thought I was Rudy. I mean, I would find offense to this, I think, if it wasn't so amazing because I feel like something bad happened to Rudy and Matt at the end of that season. I don't know. I try and block out that that part of quarantine, the Tiger King, the sourdough bread, you know, when we all discovered TikTok. Like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to forget about that. All right. Next one. She says, I was in high school before I realized that Mount Rushmore was not a natural wonder of the world. I thought somebody walked around the corner and was like, oh my gosh, that mountain looks like the president's. (laughs) All right. I want you guys to be absolutely honest with me. Is Mount Rushmore worth it in any sense? Is there anything about Mount Rushmore that is fun at all? I feel like it's in a really boring state. Maybe one of the Dakotas. It might even be Montana. I don't know probably one of those. They're all the exact same thing. I just can't imagine it's a worthwhile, worthwhile stop. I do wish it was natural. That would make it so much more interesting if it was just a naturally occurring phenomenon that four prominent presidents showed up on a mountainside without any help. All right, next one. She says, this is serious. When we go to order a drink and the waiter says, we have Pepsi products or we have Coke products, are we supposed to know what they are? All right, you know what? You know what, babe? I I hear you. I I feel like this is what I want to help you with. I'm not I'm not even going to say this is a dum dum club submission because I feel like this is something that we all need to be working on. So I'm going to tell you guys what the Pepsi products are. So when somebody says they have Pepsi products, Mountain Dew, Pepsi, Sierra Mist, Mug, Root Beer, those are all Pepsi. Okay. Coke products are Sprite, Coke, Fanta, and Barks root beer. I I looked all this up. I didn't just whip it off the top of my head. Also, fun fact, Dr. Pepper is owned by neither of them. So it's usually at every restaurant. You know, this is what the Dum Dum Club is about. It's about helping each other out when you want to ask some dumb questions. I get it. I ask dumb questions literally all the time. Do you want to know the dumb question that I asked Matt the other day? I asked Matt if the chicken ramen was vegetarian. It's so obviously not. Why did I even think that? I'm not sure, but I am just, I'm happy for a judgment-free zone to talk about this. Okay, let's read a couple more. This one says, I did not realize that you could use an emergency brake more than one time. For years, I literally thought it was like one and done kind of thing with a car that you use once and you have to get an entirely new emergency brake really made me believe that it would have to be a really good reason to use it in an emergency. <laughs> but believe me, I've parked on plenty of hills and still thought it was a one and done thing. Yeah, I I get it. You like kind of thought it was like airbags or a parachute. But here's my thing with emergency brakes. I always thought that you were supposed to pull them like in a in an emergency when you like have to brake super suddenly. I thought that you were supposed to like pull it up, which I when I started driving, I was like, that seems so unnatural to like when you're about to get in a car accident to like reach down and pull an emergency brake. I don't think that's what it's for. I think it's for parking on hills. But I mean, again, what do I know? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love these so much. She said, I just found out that when someone is saying risque, they're not saying risky with a twang. Like, oh, that's risque. Like, it's an actual (laughs) word. (laughs) I love that one. All right, let's do one more. Oh, this one is perfect. She just learned that Seth Rogen and Joe Rogen are two separate people. Very, very important thing to realize because Seth Rogen, 10 out of 10. Joe Rogan, 
Zero out of 10. I'm not on the Joe Rogan train. I'm sorry. I've tried. I, I really have given it my best effort. Unfortunately, my best effort was the worst time of my life because it was spent listening to Joe Rogan. So I will not be doing that anymore. Seth Rogan, however, maybe my number one hall pass after Danny McBride. That would be a hard, that'd be a hard toss up for me deciding between the two. I'll let you guys know what I come up with. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the reviews and the DMs and the posts and just love you all so, so much. Can't wait to talk to you next week. Be safe, be kind, be hot. Goodbye. Love you. Goodbye. I didn't need to say goodbye that many times, but it just, it kept coming out and I just, I don't know. I don't really like saying goodbye, to be honest. Like if I ever move away, just, just everybody come visit me. Like don't ever tell me goodbye. I just want to leave and not make it weird. And now I've dragged this on too long. Okay. Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening. Remember, you can catch a new episode of The Bad Broadcast every Monday. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Also, I want to hear from you. So please leave a rating and review. You can also follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast for all the behind the scenes action and more information. Talk to you next week.